Yo, I'm Izzy. Welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. From professionals in sports, footwear, fashion, and so much more, this is a show highlighting the imperfections of everyone's journey and the similarities between us all. This podcast wouldn't be possible without Yellowbrick. The team at Yellowbrick is changing the way education should look, from career-altering experiences to access to education. Yellowbrick is shattering the glass ceiling of education and providing access to industries that were deemed unattainable for so long. Check them out at yellowbrick.co. Welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I am sitting in my house today. It is finally sunny in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I was pretty happy compared to my guests today. Um, I was outside in a coat and some shorts shoveling this morning. It's only 30 degrees. After being negative 30, it feels like it's like 85 degrees. So that's cool. But uh, my guest today is someone that I'm very, very excited to share their story and share everything that they've gone through um, and then share their experience and, and get to know that the person. Um, and my guest today is Martha Garcia. She's a communications at, com, wow, communications expert that provides custom marketing solutions to running and outdoor brands. She's worked with brands big and small and I'm, I'm just really excited to dive into her story and really get to share you, share with you guys what we're working on and what she's working on on an everyday basis. So Martha, I appreciate you jumping on. Thank you, Izzy. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am, I think we jived a little bit on the few conversations that we've had. Um, and I feel like there's so many different topics that we can cover. Um, but for those that are listening today and that downloaded this episode, taking the time, commuting, anything like that to listen to this episode, who are you? What do you do? Mm, great question. Um, so I wear many different hats. Uh, like you mentioned, I'm a communications expert. I have worked in marketing for the last 13 plus years of my career. And I am also a cisgendered woman. I am a mother. I am a partner to my husband, Juan. I am a fur mom to uh, Benny. Uh, and I am the type of individual who needs to bring their full self, all of their layers, all of their nuances to the table in order to do the best work. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I like to identify myself. <laughs> I love it. I, before getting into like your career journey or even your, your time spent, um, in LA, I, I do want to talk about something. You're a Latina in footwear. That's not something that is common. Uh, when you look around the industry, whether you're looking at designers, whether you're looking at anything, you're a Latina in the, in the footwear industry. How has that been for you? How is, how does, what is your perspective on it? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. I am very open about identifying myself as a woman of color, uh, as a Mexican woman and, and an immigrant. Those identities have all fueled and built resilience. So being in the footwear industry and being one of few women of color or people of color around a table it's taught me a lot of resiliency um, that no one can ever take away from me. So my, I've leaned into any discomfort that I've ever felt of being, you know, air quotes here, the only 
um, to really teach me what what are what is the greater lesson here for me? Like, what is the opportunity that I have? It's taught me to be very intentional with my words, um, but it's also taught me how powerful my words could be. And I've had a lot of hard lessons of trying to figure out who I am. And early in my career, I tried to blend in. I tried to not be my full self. And that got really exhausting. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, you know, one day, like six years ago, five, six years ago, I woke up and all credit to my daughter, Luce, because she really helped to light this fire in me. I decided I wasn't going to dim my light to make other people feel comfortable. So I wanted to show up as my full self, as a Latina, as, you know, a Mexican woman, uh, sometimes pronouncing my name with an accent and saying Marta, you know, like all of those little things that I was shying away from for such a long time because I was trying to assimilate. So being a Latina in the footwear has also taught me the importance of bringing other people up behind you and creating a space where they can be right next to you and learning and having access to all of the different information that you receive when you know, you're able to get your foot into the door and climb a corporate ladder. When you, you hit on something that's interesting. And when we're surrounded by a multitude of the same person, let's say, you, you tend to side with, well, maybe I should be like everyone else. And whether you're in a corporate environment or whether you're not, and you're just surrounded with the same person, we keep kind of trying to our brains keep trying to tell us like hey maybe we should conform maybe we should try to be this we should be be more like this person and for me growing up in the northwest suburbs of chicago growing like when i lived in chicago i had this like massive friend group that was black hispanic and a caucasian as well but when i moved to the suburbs it was me surrounded by white people And it was kind of a culture shock for me when I first started and in high school, throughout high school. And ultimately is, was the, it was the reason why I decided to come to a place like Milwaukee because I was looking for that, that diversity. So when you, in your career journey, we'll get into that a little bit. When you decide, like when you started building teams, did you start to lead with intention of let's make sure everybody is represented at this table. Yeah, that's so important. I also, what you said about that culture shock experience, that is something that I went through when I moved from Los Angeles to Santa Barbara to take on uh, the PR manager position at Teva. And ultimately I was at Decker's Brands for about five and a half years, but it was a culture shock for me. And it made me realize how in Los Angeles, I grew up with this abundance of diversity and cultures. um, And it took me leaving LA to appreciate that even more and to be more intentional. So when I had the opportunity to build teams and I really thought about if we're going to tell 
stories of different consumers. If we are going to try to attract different consumers, they need to be represented. And there are a number of different ways that they can be represented. But ultimately, the authentic storytelling is going to come when you have those groups represented on your team. And when you create a space where they feel like they can be themselves, where they can bring all of their layers and all of their nuances when they can bring all of who they are to the table, that's when you're going to get the authentic storytelling and you're creating a space where people feel safe. Like, I think that's such an underrated thing that I'm glad now I see more people talking about, but that safety is very underrated. Um, you truly have to meet people where they are. And especially when you are in a position of power and privilege, and you are working on marketing, marketing can change culture. It really has a huge effect on culture. I have so many moments in my life where I have been affected by a brand's marketing campaign or storytelling. So I always carried that with me. And I think there were times where I definitely made mistakes and I didn't realize the power that I had. But once I've always been someone who isn't afraid to make a mistake because I know I'm going to learn a lesson and I know I'm going to take something away from it and I'm going to do better the next time and I won't let that mistake happen again. So yeah, I think with authentic storytelling, you need to have groups represented internally to be able to help you craft those stories. And on top of that, this is like the next tip. Uh, if you are working with production houses, with casting agencies, with any external agency that is helping you put together a story, make sure there's diversity there. Make sure that the director, the creative director, if it is a story where you are amplifying the voice of a black um, indigenous or person of color, make sure that creative director has that same identity as the subject of the story. Make sure, you know, these are like little things of just sort of taking that extra step where you're able to be authentic. You spent, you mentioned you've spent a lot of time at Deckers and I've seen a, a number of different campaigns that have come out from the different brands that Deckers owns. What was your, what was your favorite part or what was your favorite campaign that you worked on? Oh, I have to say with Hoka, you know, it's interesting when I was first introduced to the brand, I felt so intimidated by them. And I've talked openly to the team about this when I worked there. I felt so scared of them because for me, it felt like, oh, this is a, a, a very intense performance brand that's rooted in running. And it yeah. is. But I didn't see myself represented because a lot of people were runners who were achieving these amazing goals of ultra marathons or marathon after marathon. And I just never saw myself that way. But I had this huge unlock when I attended an Ironman world championship. And it was there where I saw a lot of different types of people wearing the brand that it was like a huge unlock for me. So that really, that moment helped me to be a better marketer. Um, and one of my favorite projects that I've worked on that I had the opportunity to work on for Hoka was their time to fly storytelling. Um, these are like beautiful films of different perspectives and experiences that were amplified. And I got so much joy out of working with those and working creatively with a number of different individuals uh, to put those together. So I'd say it's those human stories that 
I think are always make me feel uh, the most proud. I'm uh, reading right now. I'm reading uh, Building a Story Brand. Mm -hmm. um, and it's probably my second or third time reading it. But every time I, I read it, I kind of uh, almost unlock a new thing uh, in my brain. And um, it's like that with a number of different uh, books with for me. And it's just crazy how much impact a brand can have if they focus on that, like you said, authentic story. And they they build it out to make sure that the the customer sees themselves in, in the shoes of the hero at the end of the day. So when we talk about, like, you worked on so many really dope projects at the brand. But right now you're transitioning. What what went on in your head that said, you know what? I, I think it's I think my time I've done what I can do here. I'm in it. Um, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's I have to pause and I had a big smile on my face as you were asking because what comes to mind is I tell myself, do it scared. Um, I feel like I'm such in a, I'm such, I'm in a privileged position right now in my life. I've, I've worked so hard to be able to create a cushion where I do have financial security and safety there. And I have a partner who is willing to support me in all of this because our partnership truly is a partnership. We are married but I, he helps me with, with stuff around the house. Like there, there's equal shared responsibility there with the house and with taking care of our daughter. So I wouldn't be able to do this without all of that. So it's important for me to recognize that. And, you know, if you look at my career, you go in on my LinkedIn, you'll see I was at Chinese Laundry for eight and a half years. So I grew from the intern who never left and just kind of worked their way, hustled their way up to a PR manager. And then the last company, I was there for five and a half years. And it was probably around nine months ago where this idea got into my head of, you know, good leaders always know when it's their time to leave. I've always felt that sentiment, but I never really knew what it meant. Um, you know, I think of great athletes. I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. He influenced so much of my life and I enjoy hearing old interviews to share where he shares his perspective on, you know, his love for the game. But when he just knew like, now it's time I'm, I'm out, you know, like now I need to retire. I got other things I want to work on. And I leaned into that idea for the last nine months. And I just felt like, you know, I think it's coming down to an end. I think I need to explore why I'm even thinking about this and write it down. I need to ask myself questions of what would be my next move. And for me, representation has impacted so much of my life, my entire life. Like I have vivid memories of not seeing myself uh, on in Disney characters, Disney princess characters, or uh, in a Barbie doll or Cabbage Patch Kids. So it's it's been this big impact in my life. And I grew to be a director rather quickly. I was promoted every single year, the first three years that I was there. So I went from a PR manager to a director of PR for three different brands. And I always chased the title growing up. I said, I'm going to get to a director. That's when I've like air quotes made it. And once I did hit that, I started just questioning everything. 
I started, I wasn't, I didn't see myself represented to be really honest and, and candid with you. I didn't see myself represented in president VP positions in sweet, sweet, C-suite, excuse me. Um, so I always knew I wanted to be a CEO of a company. I knew I would get there one way or another. And one day it just hit me and I thought to myself, well, why don't you go be your own CEO of your company? Why do you need to go be a CEO of another company? Mm -hmm. And I it was like this huge unlock for me of like, yeah, why do I think I need to go chase and break, continue breaking down these barriers when I have worked really hard to get to where I am? Let me go do this on my own. So that's where I'm at right now. I just went from this like curious question in my head to this feeling that would not leave me. And I just felt like I, I did all that I could do. I feel super proud of the work and the amazing teams that are still there cranking out amazing work. But I just felt like I did all that I could do. Now it's my time to go do more because I get to. I love that. I think it's that almost opens the door to transition a little bit to something that we drived about before, which is generational expectation, especially being Latina and Latino. So how did like you left this for lack of better terms, cushy job paying well, kind you, you would have been good financially to now jumping into something like you said that is unknown but you're you're almost more excited for it how was that perceived when you decided you told mom and dad about it <laughs> yeah oh i love that conversation <laughs> that we had a few weeks ago um because it's just so real like my parents came to this country. They brought me here when I was a year old and they hustled. They took any job that they could. Like, you know, they they didn't go to college. They came to this country to find a better job and opportunity for me, you know, and for themselves mm -hmm. and for their family. And they knew that they had to leave in order to do that, but they didn't know what that would be. And, you know, I, I call it this immigrant hustle because they've taught me that hard work and ethics. So there are certain expectations to success that I think certain or that um, immigrant families and, and parents have on their children where it's like, okay, you need to fit this mold. You need to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, or of, you know, this type of service in order to be successful. So when I decided to go into marketing for so many years, I joke because my mom just thought all I did was give shoes to celebrities and she would <laughs> she would send me like oh uh kate hudson was working out you should send her shoes or like she you know it was super cute but that just shows you they they don't really understand and i don't hold them that against them i think that's amazing and i appreciate that they that they don't understand because that gives me the opportunity to communicate it better and to find ways to show them why you know i love marketing but when i like you said, I was, I had a nice cushion where I was at. I had a really nice cushion. I didn't have to think I was not living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. I did not have to think about my spend and oh, what a like privilege that was. And I'm so 
happy that I got to experience that for a few years because my parents, they lived paycheck to paycheck. I was there with them through all of those times, you know? And when I told them that I was quitting and that I was going to start my own company, I just immediately saw in their face this concern of like, what are you doing? Like, the first question was, what about your health insurance? You know, hmm. like, mm -hmm. what are you going, how are you going to do this? Or what about loose? Because I have, you know, how are you going to take care or pay for things that loose needs? And, uh, and then it went to like, okay, we support you. If you need help, we're here for you, which is oh, that unconditional love that our parents yeah. gives us, you know, it's so beautiful. But that's a generational divide. They didn't know what I was embarking on. They still don't know quite what I'm, I'm doing. And quite frankly, I'm still figuring it out. But again, it's such a privilege to be able to be in this position where I get to figure it out and I get to rewrite something on my own terms. And I know the importance of representation. So I want to give myself a shot. I, I want to bet on myself for the first time and just see what happens. You... You talk about the importance of representation and I feel like it goes way further than that with you having a daughter and being a mom like you are and constantly, like you said, breaking down those barriers or shattering glass ceilings. I, I really want to see nothing but success for you because I, I, I want to see, I want to make sure that your daughter sees it as well. And that's something that so many people can benefit from seeing someone like you kind of decide to just take a leap of faith and see what happens to having a ton of success to hopefully mentoring thousands uh, in the future. And I, that's something that it, I mean, makes me smile every day because you read those stories of those people that randomly decide to take that leap of faith. And that's what really, really gets them going. And, um, when you, when I mentioned you you having a daughter, was there any hesitation from your side where you're like, damn, like should I be doing this? Like, is this the is this what I want her to see? Yeah, there was a lot of fear, um, but I had to remind myself that I was not that fear that I was mm -hmm. feeling, and I am someone that has always been proud of the fact that what I, my words match my action and my actions will always match my words. So when I had my daughter, I couldn't, how the hell am I going to tell her to go be her authentic self, to go live her dreams, to go speak her mind if I wasn't doing that for myself? Like yeah. I could never do that. So she really lit this fire in me where I want her to see all of this. And you know, with quarantine, now we're going into close to a year of being together. She in this last year, she's seen a different side of me. She has always known that I've worked a lot. Like, she knows that. Uh, and I used to travel a lot for work. And now she saw all of my layers at home. She would see me cry. She would see me happy. All of the emotions because we were all under the same roof. 24 seven, I didn't have that luxury of, you know, com compartment carp compartmentalizing, uh, you know, Martha's different personas of work and wife and daughter and mother. So it was a really it was a big crash course. But again, 
I'm doing this because I also want her to show her that she can do this. And I want her to see that I will support her in any of her dreams or aspirations. Um, I will always ask curious questions, but I'm going to love her and appreciate her unconditionally. And I want to show that for, I want to show that to her, but ultimately I have to show that to myself first. Yep. I love that. When we talk, like you've been in marketing, you said 13 years, correct? So 13 years, it's an industry that when you jump into it, you sign up to be constantly learning no matter what, like what is hot today might not be tomorrow. And you just have to stay up to date with that or you're going to be left behind. What, how do you stay up to date with that? How do you make sure that, how are you constantly educating yourself to make sure that you're, you're not being left behind? I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. I also journal. I think the important thing with marketing though, like, yes, you, you want to stay with the trends or a little bit ahead, but it's also thinking about like, what makes you special? What makes your brand special? What makes your positioning special? Why should people care about you? So I like discovering that about brands. And I like thinking of like the psychology behind that because there is so much noise all the time. So for me, I like to, I stay informed and up to date on yes, all of like the basic sort of, um, you know, the, the Simon Sinek's or the Seth Godin's of the world or the Gary V's. But I also like to find other people who are being super disruptive. I recently started, um, well, for the last year, I've been really intrigued by Chris Doe from the future. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you're familiar with him, but it's, it's more catered towards creative, but I think there's so many connections and I always try to learn from other people in other industries to find inspiration from what they did, because we're all in this like larger ecosystem. We're all connected. So I think you can always sort of challenge yourself from a marketing perspective. If you seek outside of your bubble, if you seek that inspiration and those bold ideas out of your bubble. When we talk about inspiration, um, this kind of opens the door to a question that uh, a sneaker school student asked of you. Um, His name was Aaron, and he asked, in following your journey, I see you you have a dedication to getting outdoors. Is this something that came naturally, or did you force yourself? If so, how did you do it? So with that question and inspiration... Is that something that you do for inspiration as well to add on top of the question? Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. So shout out to Aaron for that one. Um, It's I always approach things as like I get to or it's a privilege to because it grounds me. And for me working out, I have gotten some of my best ideas when I do the hardest workout where I go breathless because I know what a privilege it is to be able to breathe. Um, And I I, I tie that back to my abuelita because she passed away from lung cancer. So I was there with her the last 48 hours of her life. And I experienced what it's like, you know, to see it firsthand of the difficulties of breathing. So I just tie it back to, to gratitude. And 
for me, working out is a form of inspiration because sometimes I'm so in my head all the time of, you know, constantly challenging myself to learn and also challenging those around me to learn and to push themselves to be better because we get to that sometimes I need to do those workouts to get myself out of my own head. And it's, I'm very gentle with myself. Um, I allow myself to sort of be very thoughtful and intentional of like what it is that, what is it that my body or my mind needs in this moment? Um, habits are important to me. So every morning, I think when I think about physical activity, it, it's very mind it's connected to the mind as well. So I journal a lot and I meditate. I journal and I meditate every single day. So that's me like releasing some thoughts and, you know, physically moving through emotions and in, in my head. So it's all connected to me. I think habits are very important, but being active helps me feel good too. You know, not just, uh, it's not the physical aspect. I think I, I let go of like the physical expectations that society has put on us mm -hmm. when it comes to like working out and it's more about the mental i get so much more out of working out mentally or even just a walk around the block than than it is you know putting this pressure on like physically i need to do this because i need to look this way i i've let go of all of those expectations when uh so in milwaukee the last two weeks it's been like below zero and it's been absolutely terrible but in the beginning of this year i'm made it a thing where I would go on a hike, of, a, a hike a day. And my mental state of being was so much clearer and, and happier and everything like that when I was going on these. And it wasn't just because I was getting outside and, and walking and stuff like that. It was because like, I wouldn't even wear headphones. I wouldn't like listen to music or anything like that. It would be me and my pup and I would just walk and we'd be walking through a forest. We have like ponds and stuff around us as well. But it was so important and I realized how important it was when it was 30 degrees below zero and I couldn't do that to now I yesterday was like one of the first good days where I can go outside and do it and like my overall attitude was like a 180 because because of how simple like because of me just going outside and and being active and, and being able to focus on my mental and not just my physical or uh health where I was able to just get outside and go and just be, I guess, in, in air quotes as well, uh, be one with nature. But it, it's just so important. It's so powerful. I have a question for you, if you don't mind me flipping yeah. the tables. Um, <laughs> have you found anything like when it is, you know, negative 30 or freezing, which I can't even understand. So I'm sorry <laughs> you experienced that type of cold. That is cold. But what is, have you found anything that you're able to do indoors that helps you sort of like mimic that emotion that you feel when you're outside? I think I, um, I've been getting really into reading again. Um, that was something I was doing before. And um, unfortunately, when my business closed and stuff like that, I got away from it. And when I got back into it, it was like, okay, I'm pounding out these books pretty quickly. I'm learning a lot, like stuff like that. But then like also... Um, when anxiety is high or anything like that, that slows me down a little bit. Um, and I don't know, like I, I don't do the, I, I used to do a lot of, I was a track athlete in college for a couple of years and I had to do yoga 
and I, I can't do yoga now because I'm like, oh, that just reminds me of that. But I look back at the the time spent reading and then the time spent where I decide, okay, I'm literally just going to like, I call my mom like so much and that helps me just like get everything off my chest that's going on. And of course, she, she takes that grunt like any Latina uh, mother would where she's like all right what's going on and she wants everything she's like you're leaving something out aren't you and I I end up telling her um, but that's how I kind of dealt with it where like I I started reading more and I called my mom a lot <laughs> I love that Latino moms do know everything they know before we even tell them to like Seriously. they just they feel it you know um, no that's beautiful that your mom holds that space for you and yeah, I love reading too. I've also gotten into audiobooks. I don't know if you've ventured there. Yeah. Um, I used to feel super insecure about telling people that I listen to audiobooks because I felt like some people would think like, oh, it's not reading. But like, mm -hmm. you don't need to physically have the book and turn the pages to read to right. be able to like receive content. But that was like my own insecurity. And I... I, I guess I just share that in case there's anyone else that's felt that way. You're not alone. But audiobooks, I've gotten so much out of them too this last year. I've um, there's some books that I, I I want to read and I've wanted to read in the past where it's just like, like right now I'm going through Barack Obama's memoir and it's just so high level reading and not that I'm dumb, but like some of the things, like I just need to make sure that somebody else is reading it to me. So like I have the book in front of me, but I also listen where I'm, I, I guess I'm reading and listening, but it, it almost dumbs it down a little bit for me. Um, and then I'm able to also like, I feel like every other word he uses in those books or like anybody else's books that I've read are like massive words that I don't even know. So uh, I guess my that helps as well. But yeah, it, it, I use Audible and that's been that's been a lifesaver um, from from my end as well. When I do decide to go on a hike or go on a, a dog walk or anything like that and I don't have a podcast to listen to and I don't want to listen to uh, everything that's going on in the Milwaukee streets or anything like that, I end up putting up putting on a uh, an audiobook as well, and it helps so much. Yeah, I also think what you just said about certain words ties into our backgrounds. Um, you know, I I learned English. I don't know, probably right before kindergarten, and I learned it by like watching Sesame Street or whatever cartoons. But I think I struggle with certain big words of just not understanding the context of it. So I find myself looking it up in the dictionary. I have the app on my phone just to understand what it means uh, and to see it in a sentence or to like hear the little voice note, like say it out loud for me because I don't know how to pronounce it. And there's so many, but I think it's because our brains shift from different languages uh, that you're always in that position. So I don't think it's like dumbing it down. I think like you're super smart and it's like your creative brain because you're constantly, you've, you know, gone through life with different languages and different cultures. So it, it just reminded me of that because I've also felt, I've had very similar experiences you with reading a book. Um, I need like smaller digestible paragraphs for me to understand it. And 
and for me to read it multiple times or to be able to look up what a word means to get the full context of it. So I think that makes us smarter, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It helps so much, honestly. Um, but when we when we talk about the footwear industry and what you're doing for the um, running and outdoor brands currently, those are very sought after industries that I'm pretty I'm sure have uh, any job opening has thousands of applications for one for one position. So knowing that this podcast skews a little bit towards um, more towards the young professionals and the, the, the students, what advice would you have for them to help them stand out? Ask curious questions. I think that's mm. the first, the first piece of advice and something that you can really take throughout your career ask curious questions don't be afraid and if you are afraid do it scared like always approach your questions in a way where it's uh, from this position of wanting to learn and you'll get so much out of it depending on who you're asking you know like if you're asking a cmo or a vp on you know the inspiration behind a certain campaign find a way to frame the question so then they tell you a story and you're able to really dive into what their thought process was. That'll give you so much information in context to how they work things within their department. Um, so I think that's the first piece of advice that I would uh, that I would you know tell people that are getting into footwear or any industry really is just be really intentional about the questions that you're asking and approach approach them from a, a curious and wanting to learn perspective. You'll get a lot. Of, out of that. And uh, I also understand how scary it can be to want to ask questions, uh, you know, as you're like, you know, a coordinator, or you just get hired into a company, but I think just do it scared, you have nothing to lose. If they can't answer the question, then they're not going to answer it. And that's fine. Like you'll, you'll be given the opportunity to ask another question a different time. But don't give up on that. Because I think always trying to you know, get access to information and people's thought process will really help you to sort of think through, okay, what is the value that I will bring to this company? What's the value and the and how can my perspective help to really create this position for myself where they need me here? So I'd say that that'd probably be the the number one and sort of two thing that I would give advice on. So it kind of opens another door for the final question from the sneaker school group. Um, and you said, ask good questions. And I think Tyler had a pretty good question when he asked, what's the largest myth when it comes to brand building? <laughs> Such a good question, Tyler. Oh, I love, I love the intention behind these questions. I think <laughs> the, the largest myth with brand building is that it's hard <laughs> to be honest like like yes you want to have a strategic plan and you want to be able to put tactics to help support those that strategy but um like be patient i think that that's probably just an added stress of 
you know, the dynamics and quite frankly, capitalism, right, where mm -hmm. things need to grow really fast, and it needs to happen yesterday. And I used to always uh, tell my team and I had a good friend tell me this once where she said, it's PR, not ER. So that would always help to ground me. But I think with brand building, we have these expectations that things need to happen really quickly or overnight in order for it to be successful. And I don't think that's true. I think it takes time. I think it takes a lot of patience. I think it takes a smart strategy with really intentional goals to help support what that strategy is. And it also takes a team to be able to do this. And that team needs to be of diverse backgrounds and different perspectives in order to help build that brand. And I think we're seeing a huge culture shift now with different generations entering a workforce where there are very different approaches and perspectives on how things, you know, were once run slash are still being run and how things are going to change and how Gen Z is entering this workforce and they are not going to be uh, apologetic about their intention. And I love mm -hmm. that. So I think that's, you know, a few of the, the myths is that it needs to happen overnight, otherwise there won't be success. But I think going back to just giving yourself the space and being super intentional about who you're going to go after. And again, bring diverse talent inside to help tell those stories and put them in positions where they feel empowered to be able to make decisions. You'll see your brand grow really quickly if you do that. Damn. <laughs> what last question what uh when it's all said and done what impact do you want to leave on the world oh <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know my my purpose in life has been to help people feel seen and heard so i hope that my legacy is one that has inspired one individual to make a difference within their collective and in their community. And then that just trickling on to a number of different people. Um, I used to boldly tell people in corporate structures, and I still said this, that I'm going to change the world. And I realize how big that can sound or, you know, mm -hmm. someone might like roll their eyes when they hear that. But Ultimately, really, it's it's me focusing on what I can control. So I know I can control things in front of me, but it's it's um, I, I do it with the good intention of wanting to help people feel seen and heard. And I feel I know that marketing can help people do that. So if I can help just one person do that for others like that, that's what that's the legacy I want to leave behind. Martha, where, where can people find you? Where can people find out more and follow your journey? Yeah. So on Instagram, um, my handle is I am Martha Garcia. Uh, my company name is called I am collective. So working on launching that, but I'd say Instagram and LinkedIn, Martha Garcia, you can always hit me up. I love when people ask me curious questions. I always respond. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, and those are the best places. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast. I am very excited, like I said before, to see where you end up and where where we are a year from now. Um, obviously, with COVID going on and everything like that, I, I'm just excited to get outside. But I'm excited to follow your journey and um, look forward to possibly doing this again in the future. 
Yeah, thank you, Izzy, for giving me this opportunity to do this. Thank you for listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I literally would not be able to do anything without you listening. So it's been awesome to see all the different places that people are listening and everything like that. If you want to support, please check us out on Instagram or tell your friends to check out an episode. You listening today means the absolute world to me and I cannot thank you enough.